We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you finish Did you that? that? We're, about one half, we're about halfway there. We're just saying that he's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. The Field of 68 After Dark Thursday night edition. Some would call tonight's slate a sleepy slate. They're not calling it that in Iowa City, where the Hawkeyes stormed back to beat my Michigan Wolverines. And now Rob Doster's forcing me to be on camera and break it down with two of the best in the business. Terrence Oglesby is here. Laval Jordan is here. As always, you can listen to us on the Sirius XM app. We are brought to you by Bet Rivers and you can find us on the Field of 68 YouTube channel. If you're over there, please click subscribe, jump in the comments. We pay attention to those more than you would think. And we have a lot to get to tonight. Of course, we're going to talk about Michigan's meltdown. We also had a huge upset. Minnesota knocks off Ohio State with a questionable call down the stretch. We will break it down in depth. We're going to talk SEC. We're going to talk Big 12, where there's teams clinging to first place in the standings that we may have to decide, debate, whatever you want to call it, if they deserve that spot and if they'll hold it for the rest of the season. And we even were gifted some drama in Lexington, Kentucky today as well, gentlemen. I can't wait. Laval, it's good to see you. It's been a couple of weeks since you and I have done one of these together. You doing good tonight, my friend? All good. All good. Just uh, watching college basketball and helping helping around the house with the family. But look, you know, watch, watch some good games tonight. Nothing wrong with that. And T.O., again, our Big Ten guy, the resident Big Ten expert from uh, Field of 68, right? Turned into a huge Big Ten guy by proxy. Like, they they keep putting me on these Big Ten nights, so that's good. I'm just curious to hear your uh, point of view on this Calipari stuff as you fight through tears of this Michigan loss. That's the big thing. Like, are you going to be able to tough it out and be a hero and make it through the show after a tough one? Listen, it's going to be hard. Uh, I'm going to do my best to not be the toxic locker room guy, but I've been known to have my spouts every now and then. So we'll see. Uh, I might have to phone in a substitution about 15 minutes in the show. Who knows? But let's start where you alluded to, TL. Let's start in Kentucky, uh, where we had an article today from Kyle Tucker, Kentucky's beat writer over at The Athletic, a very in-depth article that uh, sort of hints at 
some of the tensions that lie underneath the surface in the Kentucky basketball program right now, some in-depth stuff on Cal's relationship with Mitch Barnhart, the Kentucky athletic director. So let's just sort of step back and and I'll throw it out broadly to you guys, because I believe all three of us had a chance to look through this article and read it and digest it a little bit. T.O., what was your big reaction to some of the news from this article? I'm a little shocked that the AD of a major basketball university like the University of Kentucky is it, it, the way it read is really riding the coattails of the football coach, which I understand football in the SEC, that's your money getter. I understand all that, but this is the University of Kentucky. This is a basketball school. I don't care who quoted what. It's a basketball school. I know Calipari gotten in a little bit of sauce talk saying that in passing, but at the same time, uh, I hate the way that this goes a little bit, and it's all because of the dollar, because Kentucky has been better in football, and the lack of loyalty to the head basketball coach of that university, who's been to three, who's been to several Final Fours, who's won a national championship for that university, for him, even though he's pulling together funds uh, for his program, is being turned down. It doesn't make sense. What are you trying to do? What platform do you stand on? That's kind of where it was questionable for me uh, as to the AD's approach. That was the biggest question. Yeah, Laval, what's that sort of relationship, right? Like, is this just a politics thing that every coach has to play with administration, or is this unique to the Kentucky situation and who John Calipari is? Yeah, without being there, I don't know, you know, Greg, it's it's hard when you're a coach because you don't know, you know, we're not in the meetings, we're not in the in the room, the conversation. There's a ton of dialogue, planning, communication that goes on, you know, across to try to get, um, you know, get done what you need to get done to be as good as you can be as a program. And, and that's so, so, you know, I don't know. Um, Kyle Tucker, you know, in terms of how much knowledge he had and who he he got, what his sources are. But I do know alignment is important, Mm -hmm. you know, from from president to AD, the the coach, you know, all the way through um, in in terms of, you know, how good you can be and what the potential is of the program, what the vision is, um, you know, where things stand. You know, sometimes the president, you know, isn't, like fully in on athletics, that makes a that makes a difference um, in terms of what you're allowed to do or, or um, you know what you're trying to accomplish. Um, alignment's important within the department. Look, the sports have to get along. You know, if you if you're in a situation where you're sharing with other sports, you're sharing a building or a facility, or um, you know, so so kind of all those things matter because it just gives you something else to think about other than you know coaching your team. Um, and, and so you want to be aligned. That's that's for sure. I'm intrigued by the the timing of this article, right? Because a lot of what I read in this piece does not seem to have festered in the last 24 hours. But I have to imagine you know, there's some reasoning and some strategy to the fact that it's now coming out when Cal's having some struggles on the basketball court uh, after losing earlier this week. But I, I mean, there is something Cal, to be said there. Cal's a PR right. master. There's something to be said there. Right. If you want to go like tinfoil <laughs> hat here, T.O., which is a game I, I 
definitely play a <laughs> good thrive. amount, right? That's I where thrive, you thrive, Greg. I thrive in deciphering the hidden meaning behind the hidden meaning here. But like, I don't know, man. The, the timing caught me off guard. I think none of this is like a big surprise, right? When you come public calling this a basketball school and you have sort of the the public, the, the football coach needs to address the statements from the basketball coach thing. Like that's that doesn't happen at every single university, even if it's happening behind closed doors. And at Kentucky, it did not happen behind closed doors. So uh, I think there there was a lot leading up to today's piece coming out that maybe Cal could have done differently. And now it's sort of biting him in the butt. But the other piece of this article that was really fascinating to me and Laval, I'd love to get your thoughts on this, but you know, it, it really kind of put the Kentucky staff as a whole on blast. It questioned, you know, the successful teams Cal has had in the past really had some guys who were responsible for scouting, for game planning, for breaking down film. And that was their MO. And they've departed the staff. There's been new replacements who are primarily here to just go get the best players in the country, which Cal has always done a good job at. And maybe some of those other elements of putting together game plans and preparing for games themselves have fallen wayside. So I'd love to get your thoughts on that one. Just how difficult is it assembling a staff in today's day and age, keeping a staff together, especially in a program like Kentucky? Um, and then how much can you really pinpoint some of these failures or these troubles on, you know, the guys on this Kentucky staff? Yeah, I know we were talking Prior to the show, you know, football and and they get the coordinators and then you let the coordinator go, you know, if the offense is bad or the defense is bad. And basketball, you don't really you don't get to do that as much because everything falls. It all falls on you as the head coach. And I I know this. um, I I would say having just kind of watched like when you when you when your staff turns over, it's difficult. I've gone through that. And um, because you, when you first get a job, you have that vision in mind and and that group. Um, it, even when you look back, I think about when Matt Painter and Purdue was really good and Robbie Hummel, who's on here, Robbie and Jawan Johnson, Etoine Moore. Uh, but then when Rick Ray got a head job um, and then Conzo Martin got a head job and Paul Lusk got a head, you know, he lost those guys. You know, it, it took a dip and then Purdue came back up uh, because those were three, you know, head coaches in the making really good staff and they work well together. And so that things matter, the synergy matters. Um, And so as your staff turns over, you know, I think that that is something that I've dealt with in trying to, you don't know everybody, you know, you knew the guys really well in the first take uh, when those guys move on and you want them to move on. You want them to, you know, you know, you want everybody, you want all the players to, you know, be good enough and, and their dream and live their dream and go play in the NBA. You want all the, the assistants to, you know, live their dream and become head coaches. Uh, but when the turnover happens now, you, the, you know, I think the filtering and the hiring and all the, the process that you go through to pick is it's a, it's a, it's a challenge uh, just, especially when you're like, I don't know a lot of, I don't, you know, I don't I hang out with a lot of people. I got a, a small group and like, I know that group really well. So when I got to go outside of that group, now you're leaning on other people as references and things like that. And that, that, that becomes, you know, a challenge. The big thing is, is I'm going to speak in generalities here, but not necessarily towards Kentucky, even though we've talked about their antiquated offense a little bit and how they're not teaching angles correctly and yada, yada, yada. We've talked about this stuff, right? Uh, 
you know, my dad, rest in peace, he always told me, and he, he had some success uh, in the nursing home industry and, and, and climbed for a long time. And he always told me if I'm the smartest guy in the room, I'm in the wrong room. And it, sometimes the guy that's at the top doesn't necessarily have to be the smartest guy, but he has to be the guy that can pull everybody together and then use you, their you strengths. The smartest room is the way it goes. Like, hey, right. Like, you I don't have, have to be the smartest guy in there. We just got to have the smartest room. And you have to be able to hold those guys together, right? Like you have to be able to hold those guys strengths to each other, even if they counterbalance each other sometimes and they, and they bump heads. Uh, I feel like Cal, um, just from how he acts in press conferences, he's always the smartest guy in a room. So, like, you have to, as a coach, or not, and I'm not critiquing Cal, I'm speaking in generalities, but, like, you have to, as a coach, uh, create an atmosphere of almost combativeness to where, like, guys, if you think if you think something's wrong, you have to speak up because there's there can't be some kind of groupthink. And I'm not sure any of his three assistants are big, boisterous guys on the floor because if you ever go and watch a Kentucky game in person, I've seen the limited amount, uh, admittedly, but Cal's the only person coaching. There's nobody else saying anything. And I think that's a big part of it. And the dribble drive offense, it's, it's ran its course a little bit. Who's going to be that next guy that's going to help you move it forward. And along the, along those lines in that article, Kentucky, the, the source complained about Kentucky's lack of personnel which I thought was a little crazy considering their staff was a little bit smaller than some of the others in the SEC. I thought that was nonsense. Like you have to figure out the right blend of guys. And, you know, he's got some great recruiting talent on that coaching staff. Who is your next, you know, real X's and O's coach guy? Like Bruiser's longtime assistant, done a great job at his job. You know, some of these other guys like, you know, Antigua, Chin Coleman, like those are great recruiting pieces. Like who are those guys? And I'm not saying they can't coach, but they are known for recruiting. Who are those guys that are going to step up and kind of fill those gaps where Calipari's at? And if, is Calipari going to let him fill those gaps? Yeah. Yeah. You raise great points, T.O. and Laval. Um, how much do you think like like – the world has changed a lot in the last few years as well. It's not just yeah. college basketball, but like we went through a pandemic and in a way, I think you could say that's, that's shifted a lot of people, prominent people in sports and beyond's view on what's important in life and how to approach certain things. Um, it certainly feels like, like Cal sort of has taken a different approach, not just to basketball, but to life in the last few years. And I don't know where that leads him. I don't know where that leaves this team for sure. I mean, there's still talent on this team. We can't forget like Oscar Sheway is not going away. So like, would it shock me if, if something flips and this team, you know, makes a charge and gets back in the race in the sec? No, not at all. But in the bigger picture with all of the smoke, it's like when there's smoke, there's fire, right? With how much tension there is when there's fans showing up to Rupp arena right now with a sign that says, please just go to Texas after all this man has been through with this fan base and this program, it just seems like this is not going to end well. Is that fair to say? Like, it's not I mean, healthy. we don't, we don't know healthy. what's going like to happen. It. Right. But like, it yeah. doesn't, it, this doesn't feel like it's going the right direction for anybody here. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. No, and along with what Laval said, like uh, alignment with your university, alignment with your AD, alignment with the other coaches, like that's important. And whenever those things are, are splintered, like you're going to have problems and then you don't feel like anybody has your back. So that's when articles like this come out. Right. So like you have to all get on the same page. And I, I'll be honest, guys, like I put a lot of this on the AD, like after hearing some of these scathing, like, like him going behind Calipari's back and then having the press conference with the football coach. And after Cal wanted to clarify some things like that's interesting. That's interesting. And that shouldn't happen. There should be complete transparency in my mind, at least. Yeah. Hundred percent. You know, it's it's a it's. I do think you're right on in terms of life. Like when you see Demar Hamlin, like it puts you know everything in perspective in terms of hey, the game's not that important, right? Mm, right. And when you go through COVID, you know, and I don't know how if it affected a Jay Wright decision or not, but you know, you 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 do have TO's got kids. Like you you realize what's really important in life and. And, and obviously we're all competitors and you want to be at the top, you know, be at the highest level and compete at the highest level. But, and I know, you know, I know everybody's fan base gets really passionate. Um, but, you know, there is a perspective and I don't know how much that's weighing into weighing into things over there. I just, in general, I think everybody rethought, you know, and, and placed things in different lines during, you know, post COVID and, pandemic and, and we're still it's not like it's over you know it's <laughs> you know there's still people getting coronavirus it's not as it's not as drastic and as, as fatal as it once was but so yeah you know did it impact things I don't know I do think you know it's Kentucky's a different you know Tubby Smith went to the tournament every year won a national championship year one went to the tournament every year and it wasn't good enough um, so you know some sometimes that plays a, a role too just where you are and the expectations of where you are and it gets a little out of whack sometimes. Yeah, right. those wheels are rickety. You lose to South Carolina, that you got issues at home. Like yeah. there, there's issues there. But you know, hey, look at South Carolina's guys. Like they had NBA talent on that rock, like legitimate lottery pick in Gigi Jackson. Like Casey yeah. Casey Johnson shot the ball. I mean, he played his tail off. I mean, that's right. Like, but but like, if you look at the talent level, like he's got a bunch of really good college players. You got to coach up really good college players. Some of these pros that he's had in the past. Let those dudes go. Get out of their way. Like, I'm not sure he has that with with this group of guys. Right. And uh, I don't. Even I do think, think this, Greg, accountability. The way kids accept it, because there's so much noise. There's never been as much noise as like all this stuff that we're talking about. The kids are reading it. 
And and so to to for to not be distracted is very very difficult to come into a practice with with solid focus on practice like whatever your workout guy said your auntie said your cousin said whatever Twitter was saying and and TikTok was playing and you know, I mean you know I, and I've never seen like kids just it, taking the leave of absence uh, from a program with anxiety you know it's like it happens yeah, a lot. Matt McCaffrey like, now, and you got, I mean, Tyrell Terry. I re we recruited Tyrell Terry at Butler, didn't get him. Like, he just retired. He's he's like 22 or something from the NBA. He's in the NBA like three years. And, it's and just, Sky Clark just left for Illinois. Sky Clark at Illinois. So I do yeah. think, you know, all of the noise is a lot louder than it, than it was, and it affects everybody. As much as you try to block it out, it, it's difficult. Yeah, and you, I think you sign up for – some of that to an extent when you commit to play basketball at university of Kentucky at the same time, it's getting real toxic these days. And uh, Laval, you kind of alluded to it. I mean, there's one thing we know will shut everybody up. That's winning basketball games. And we know this Kentucky team can do that. We've seen John Calipari do it his entire career there. Uh, and there's, I mean, shit, two months left in this season, gentlemen. Long way to go before the storybook is closed. A lot of time left. I mean, game. I was on the staff at Michigan. We started the season one and six in the Big Ten. My, you know, first year at Michigan with Coach Beeline. And ended up, you know, turning it around, going nine and nine, making the tournament, when, you know, winning the game and almost going to the Sweet 16. We were like a, a floater away. Darius Morris missed the floater. So there's plenty of time in terms of, you know, flipping the script. Um, Did you I beat in the first round, Laval? We beat Tennessee. No. Is that the first year when I was there? What, at Clemson? Was that the first uh, or second year you guys were in Michigan? We came to Clemson. Let's see. Yeah, you guys beat us. We lost at Clemson. Big Ten ACC Challenge. I don't know. We lost in a tournament to uh, Michigan. I think that was before. No, that, that was, that that was, was before me. Aha, uh -huh, okay. Now that makes more sense. We beat Tennessee. It was Bruce Pearl's last game at Tennessee. Yeah. And then we lost to Duke, Kyrie Irving, the Duke team. Uh, we had the chance to tie it at the yeah. buzzer. Hey, I, I, I want to say this. There's at, at Clemson, I talked to one of the professors um, at the university because uh, we went to something in the middle of town. And they said the, the, the kids, the athletes in general, ever since NIL was passed, they're asking to see the on-campus. It's not a therapist, but it's uh, – to go get some help to to be able to talk through some things like you guys wanted to get paid there's there's repercussions for getting paid and doing some of these things because now there's a different set of expectations and it's a lot on a young person who spent the majority of their life playing because they like it right so it, you know things change quick fast and in a hurry whenever that paycheck starts showing up and then that added pressure that's a lot especially for some people that haven't seen that amount of money that some of these people are getting paid yeah, it's a great point, T.O. I mean, I think back, again, I was not a Division One college basketball player, but I think of myself at age 18, like I was making mistakes every single day at that point. And when you're playing for some of the stakes that these guys are now playing in this era, you're not allowed to make mistakes. You're not afforded mistakes, whether it's on the court or off of it. Uh, and that can certainly raise tensions, pressure, whatever you want to call it on the kids, the staff, everybody involved. So well, everything's a micro, everything's under a microscope. Like look at our man, like I, I hate to even bring this up, but look at our man, Hunter Dickinson. Like he's just trying to get along and like he, he go and he'll, he'll say some slick stuff that he should never say. 
And then he says it kind of in passing and stuff like that. And he, you know, he's on with some guys that'll say some pretty wild things and he's there with them. And he's just trying to get along and trying to trying to figure his way out. There's no like learning curve for some of these young people to figure themselves out. Yeah. Because as soon as something happens, boom, it's out there. It's out there in an hour. It could be around the world in an hour. Right. That's yeah. insane. And so it's, like, it, where, where's the room for Hunter Dickinson to be able to grow up and become a man? Like, and I hate to even say it like that, but you get what I'm saying. You do. Like, uh, I respect that. Like, like, yeah, whatever. no, you do. Yeah. That's so. that's, but again, that's sort of when you sign up for the stakes, when you sign up for the round ball podcast at Barstool Sports. To be said there too. Stakes, right. All right. That's a good segue though, T.O., because we're going to jump in and talk about Hunter Dickinson's team. Now the Wolverines who uh, very, very much so needed a big resume boosting road win today. Almost had one seven point lead with just over a minute left to play four point lead with 30 seconds left in this game and, and one three pointer by Peyton oh Sanford sends it to overtime. Uh, and then another, and one shortly after on a little box out, put back offensive rebound. Sanford was phenomenal down the stretch run of this game. A lot of guys were phenomenal offensively in this game. Jed Howard had 34 points, seven, three pointers made. He didn't score from the field for the final 12 minutes of this game. And he had 34 points uh this was an iowa basketball game to a t a very entertaining basketball game and ultimately the hawkeyes get the win so laval let's throw it to you first here uh pretty crushing loss for the wolverines with where they're at at this point is that fair to say devastating i can't imagine i mean i'm watching it and they're up four so you, you know typically you're up four and it's a two possession game you know, maybe they get a quick two. Now you got to make free throws. And the foul, the foul on the three-point shot and one was like, you know, the, the somebody at Iowa City's living right, man, for that, for that to happen. So, uh, yeah, it was crushing. I mean, you look at where Michigan is with no quad one wins up to this point. Um, you know, a road win is a big, big deal, especially in conference play. And they've been playing really well since the Big Ten started. Jet Howard was – but now he reminds me of Danny. You're an ACC guy, T.O. He, he reminds me of Danny Green. Like, you know, he's got a Danny Green type game. Now, Danny Green is, type build. Yeah, like, just big, he's got broad size shoulders. to get his shot off. He, he doesn't need a whole lot of space. And, and um, you know, he was cooking tonight. I think he handles it a little bit better than Danny. A little did. bit better, yeah. He doesn't guard like that. And... I got to say, we might have to call him Annie Green because there's no D. With, with <laughs> yeah, he doesn't right guard like that. And then, uh, you know, well Peyton, done, Gregory. Well done. Peyton right. Sandra was huge. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was interesting. Just Hunter wasn't, you know, they doubled him. They played zone uh, to try to, you know, um, you know, nullify what Hunter Dickinson could bring to the table. And it worked. Jet Howard got loose. Then late, I think that's the. It's it's the the guards late making plays. I thought Lil Doug hit a big three, and I thought that was going to do it for him. And um, Kobe Bufkin hit a big pull up jump shot to put him up four, and it seemed like the game was over. Uh, and then they, you know, just a, a, a made the mistake of fouling, and you know, Peyton Sander, like you said, he was phenomenal down the stretch. I mean, he had some big clutch shots. So it's a very very tough loss. Iowa City, you know, talk about Iowa just responding to, you know. Uh, McCaffrey's son having to step aside and they yeah. have kind of rallied behind that since then and, and had multiple people stepping up and Keegan Murray was like, he's off the charts. Good, man. He's really, really, really talented. 
Yeah. yeah. The better Murray, Chris Murray. Yeah. Stop better, Stop the, the better Murray. I, I'm riding that wave. Uh, he, they were good guys. I mean, Iowa, they, they show some serious uh, grit. Like they'll be down 15 points. Where were they down 15 to, to uh, Indiana? Come back 21. and win that game. 21 in that game. Yeah, yeah, 21. Excuse me. They go to Rutgers and win. Rutgers is tough. Like you go play at the rack and you win at the rack. I mean, that's a and tough bunch. I mean, they're battling. That's a zoo. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's insane. I love it. I, I love that place. So I went up there and, and called one game on the radio, and it's like you're in, you're in shoot around like the track teams running laps. Like it's truly like an old school joint. <laughs> like like I'm a big fan of the rack. I thought that was such a cool venue. And then it was like, uh, th- then they continue to just kind of progress, and they just battle and chip away and chip away and chip away, and then it'll be just one or two big plays that'll just flip the momentum. And today it happened to be Sanford, uh, yeah, Sanford, and I was like, it, he was good, like coming off screens. That that four point play was big time. Like not only did he beat who was it, Jet Howard that fouled him? Uh, yeah, I think no, it was Kobe. It was Kobe. Kobe. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, so so it was. Good action. I mean, great action they ran. Yeah, great action. He comes off, and he has great body balance at the top. Like, did he kick his feet a little bit? Yeah, but, like, that was a foul. Went back and watched it again after after Greg aired his grievances. But, like, it was a foul. And, like, he turned right into that shot. And he had to make the shot. Like, yeah, it was pretty he wasn't shot. Just like getting fouled on, he had to make the, make the shot. Yeah, it was a, it was like, a hell of a shot. It was it a was hell a hell of a shot, and he got fouled. And he had great balance, yeah. straight up and down. Gets absolutely hammered on the shot and is able to knock it down. Like he played it. <laughs> he played really well, man. The thing like, I find interesting about the game, just it was Michigan defensively. If you look, I was looking looking at just one. As I got to, we got in the conference play four or five games in. I I stopped as a coach paying attention to the all game stats and just looked at the con- like, what are guys doing in conference play? Because that's when, you know, you really find out, you know, people know you, they know your game, they know your system. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it's funny to watch, you start watching these games now, it's like systems versus systems and styles versus styles. as much as it's the players, it is, you know, those like Ed Cooley, his style and their system is contradictory to UConn's offensive system. So, it's going to probably it's going to end up mucking up all the sets. And so just those things like Iowa, they mix in the zone so they can take away your big guy. You know, they got to get out to Michigan have been defending the three point line best in the league or second best in the league in, in conference games. And and, you know, they gave up 12 of them tonight and a huge one with the and one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had, their, their defense had been holding people and Iowa scores. So it was, you know, could Iowa get a stop when they needed one? They didn't. <laughs> But they had the ball last. <laughs> tied up. They right. tied it up. Uh, Michigan couldn't get one when they needed one, in which they have been, you know, their, their defense have been holding them down recently. Let yeah, me ask so- you guys this. And Laval, I want to ask you in particular, like, like the Murray brothers, like they just have a way to quietly get 30, like to where they just got it's, yeah, it's they don't never sweat. like, huh? They don't sweat. They don't sweat. They like, don't break a sweat. It's unbelievable. Like, Keegan, Keegan can do it. He was a phenomenal college player. Like, Chris has turned into that guy for them this Did year. Did you ever see that, Dad? Do you know that, Dad? Uh-uh. So Ken, Kenyon Murray's that dad. I grew up watching Kenyon Murray play. Greg knows it. He's a Battle Creek Michigan Kenyon, yeah. guy. I grew up in Albion. It's 25 minutes away. So, so like, I'm we're in middle school watching Battle Creek Central, Kenyon Murray, Demetrius Van Sickle. Like, they were loaded up. Albion High School, my hometown, they were, we were really good. So he played with a guy from my hometown, Montere Glasper, at Iowa, the dad, Kenyon. And he was mm-hmm. a stud. 
how you produce two sons that are better than you is is un you know, like it's the dream of all basketball dads, right? Like I, I you're not have, leaving the gym. You're not allowed <laughs> to leave. And then I mean, like pros. I mean, first yeah. round pick pros. Yeah, first Can round I, pick pros. I, I got one question. Like they just, oh, sorry, Gary, go ahead. No, I, I just have one question with this, and then we're going to actually cut to an interview we did with Peyton Sanford in just a moment. But oh, so I'm not how, gonna finish. Chris Murray, man, he played like 18 minutes a game last year. Yeah, like what? This dude was good last year. We saw Keegan played 18 minutes before his breakout year. Like, what, what is going on with this McCaffrey staff, man? Who's the national player of the year next year that we don't know about yet, you know? Yeah, if his last name is starts with an M and fin- <laughs> finishes with an Uri, like, he might he might be national player of the year. Now, it's just their ability to, like, like I, I hate to use the phrase chip away because I just used it talking about Iowa, <laughs> but they'll get two. Then they'll get another easy layup. Then they'll get fouled. They'll hit a couple free throws. And then it'll just be an easy catch and shoot three. And it's like they're not the loudest points in the building, but, like, they just continue to, like, the entire game. It's a relentless, like, just continue to do the right thing to put yourself into position. It's it's really remarkable. It's really remarkable. Well, one guy who was in the right spot and making the right play a bunch tonight was Iowa's Peyton Sanford. T.O. and I got to sit down with him just a few short moments before the show. Let's go to that interview now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Pleased to be joined by Peyton Sanford, Iowa Hawkeye star tonight. Uh, massive play after massive play down the stretch. A couple of big and ones to help the Hawkeyes separate. Peyton, first of all, what was the atmosphere like tonight? I've been to Carver Hawkeye before. I've seen that place hopping, but through my television screen tonight, it looked like it was jumping down the stretch. Yeah, the, the fans were unbelievable. I mean, down the stretch, every defensive possession, every big play we had, I mean, it was unbelievably loud and it's been that way for a lot of big games this year so we really appreciate the support um love carver so so take me through your mindset here it's 20 seconds left you're down four that ball swings to you i I mean and you're able to knock it down what was your adrenaline like because then you have to come back and hit that free throw right yeah Um, Yeah, so talk talk me through that play talk me through that play yeah, um, I, I came off the down screen. We didn't really have a play called, and uh, I kind of felt him on my hip, and I just hit the same shot to cut it to two, I think. So I was just looking to get one up quick, cut it to one, and then I kind of got my legs taken out. And so I'm on the on the floor, and uh, everyone's kind of looking at me like, you got to knock this down still. I'm like, I, I got you. So uh, I just in my head, I always tell myself, uh, just stay confident, stay loose, and stay assertive uh, on the free throw. And then just I walked up there like it was back home with my dad and knocked it down. And Peyton, I, I have to ask you this one because that one was really impressive. That one was huge. But the <laughs> offensive rebound and then the presence of mind with your back to the basket to throw it up, was that one where you thought you would get a foul call so you, you were hoping to get something up around the rim? Or was it like, hey, I, I'm pretty close. I need to go ahead and take a shot at this. Because it looked yeah. a little funky. but It was. Uh, I knew that the clock was low. I think Chris shot it with like three or something. So uh, I just kind of crashed. I saw the ball floating through the air. So I was just trying to get something on the rim, see if somebody else can make a play. Maybe I can make it. And it worked out pretty well. 
<laughs> so Payton, I don't know how much you know this, but you're on a call with uh, one of the best collegiate shooters that I've seen in my lifetime, Terrence Oglesby. And uh, I am not by any means a collegiate level shooter, but you talked to my high school coaches back in the day. I could shoot that thing. I know a little <laughs> something about when you're down four with 20 seconds left, all of a sudden the eyes start lighting up like, oh, I might have to make something shake here. I might have to look like I got fouled. Did you really get fouled on that and one or were you hunting a little bit of a, a, a contact play there? Um, I mean, I, I mean, obviously I wasn't even really thinking four point play. Uh, I kind of felt him on my hip. So I was thinking maybe if he nudged me a little bit, I could try and sell it, but he really did kind of take me out, but you're right. I mean, I, I was kind of hunting it. <laughs> we gotta try, we gotta try, I mean, we're, we're here to win games. You know it. Yeah. I saw that look in your eyes, man. I respect it. I know a shooter, <laughs> but I see one. You knew what was going on. But hey, you also, I mean, I, I'm a big 10 guy. Um, you know, I've I've followed your team pretty closely this year. And I was real excited to see you in a larger role after what we saw from you down the stretch of last year. Yeah. And I think you'd be honest with us, you didn't shoot the ball your best through the first month and a half of the season. These last two games, you are absolutely lighting it up and you're showing what people were excited about. What's mm -hmm. it like to see that rim open up and what's changed from, you know, three weeks ago until now? Yeah. Um, I don't think anything's really changed all that much. Um, I went through basically just a big slump. Uh, it happens to everybody. It's something I really hadn't gone through, mm -hmm. uh, many times in my life. I think I shot 45% every year of high school, like close to 40 last year. So it was weird. And, uh, I'm really thankful for the support staff I had because um, they really, really helped me uh, get out of it. And I started to see shots going in and practice again uh, about a month ago. And then it was just carrying over to the game. And then uh, once I got rolling again, now it's it's just what I do. Come out there, hit shots. And uh, I'm really excited for the win and just to be back playing a big role on this team again. Well, it's exciting to see you excited. So that's good news. Uh, <laughs> one thing from a broader perspective you guys lost three in a row. Now you've won three in a row. The last two games you've been down, right? Or excuse me, against Indiana, you were down to that. Tonight you were down quite a bit. Like, what does it say about the resolve of this Iowa team? Yeah, uh, we got a lot of guts. Uh, Coach is always preaching, stay in the fight um, in life, uh, in the game. Uh, we're down seven with like a minute 30, and uh, our, our confidence never wavered. Nobody really, really ever shook up, um, <clears throat> even through that, <clears throat> even through that three-game losing streak. Um, everybody was doubting us again, but, uh, we never really doubted ourselves. Uh, we kept coming to work, uh, practices started to improve, uh, right after Christmas. And then you start seeing that on the court against Indiana. Um, I'm just re really proud of our guys, really proud of myself, really proud of our coaches. Uh, we just continue to fight and uh, we're really never out of a game. So it's a Thursday night. I don't know what type of classes you have on Friday, but where are we going in Iowa city tonight? Where's the celebration spot? You know, uh, we're on winter break right now, but, uh, <laughs> My mom, my mom and dad are from two hours away. They brought enchiladas. So we're going to go back to my apartment, eat some enchiladas and probably rewatch the game. That's how it works. <laughs> there you go, man. Well, I'm, I like it. I'm, uh, I'm very impressed with how you played tonight, how you've Thank been you. playing as of late uh, and how your whole team is playing. I think you've got everybody's attention in the Big Ten and beyond. So yes, Peyton Sanford, congratulations on the win tonight. And we'll continue yeah, you. watching you down the stretch of the season. Thank you very much, guys, for having me on. Thanks, Peyton. Yep, we'll see you. That was the man of the night for the Hawkeyes, Peyton Sanford, a couple massive plays down the stretch. Uh, 
you know, I'm not going to lie. It hurt my soul a little bit hearing him discuss what happened in those final plays, but that's big 10 basketball T.O. baby that happens, you know, back and forth, just juggernauts slug fest type games. And a lot of offense, just, (laughs) just like really getting after it. High scoring game though. Iowa got 93. I give him a say, T.O. You had to enjoy. I mean, it was, I'll I'll tip my cap. I'll tip my cap. 93 (laughs) is good. Sure. Sure. Uh, we're going to jump to Ohio State and Minnesota here, but we just want everybody at home to know uh, Gonzaga is on the ropes right now. One point game with nine seconds left. We've got it on in the background. We will break down what's going on with Zags at BYU. But first, uh, let's talk about the upset of the night thus far. Minnesota steals one from Ohio State on the road. I mean, you have to start with the call at the end or the uh, missed call at the end, I think, if that's fair to say. What appeared to be a clean block was called a foul. And um, ultimately, a free throw ends up deciding the game for Minnesota. Uh, There were some questionable calls on the other end before this. It appeared upon replay that. Uh, you know, the ball should have belonged to Minnesota. They gave it to Ohio State. So just a weird, choppy, officiated game. That seems to happen quite a bit in the Big Ten these days. But uh, so T- physical. T.O., what'd you make of of the, the end game situation here? Was it just a total blown call? It was a total blown call. But can, can we not acknowledge Taylon Cooper's uh, absolute shuffle step, like to get my man crawling on the floor before he got to the rim? That was nasty. Shout out to the Upward Stars, man. He's from upstate South Carolina. I want to make sure that's out there now. Dorman High School. That's right. Dorman High School. There's some good players, Dorman High School. Clemson, there's some good ones now. That's a good high school. Uh, I digress. Uh, It was a blown call. That was a heck of a play on the ball uh, by Bruce Thornton. I mean, the freshman, he he climbed up there, grabbed it, all ball. Was it him or was it? It was Thornton, yeah. It was Thornton, or was it likely? Okay, so yeah, I mean, they they both got the long hair, and they're both very stout. So just wanted to make sure I got the right guy. But Bruce Thornton was, um, I mean, I, I love the way he competes. I mean, he just seems to make the right play time after time. Now he is a freshman, so there's going to be those freshman mistakes. But that was an absolute blown call, absolute blown call. Yeah, you agree, Laval? Yeah. I mean, we we were talking behind. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Ugh. you know, you don't. Now, Hopeman was on the other side against Rutgers with mm-hmm. the refs and the call he got. So I guess it all balances out. But th- it was a block. I mean, it, th- it was a clean block. I mean, heck of a play. Heck of an individual move uh, by Talon Cooper to, you know, Allen Iverson-ish, you know, the way he pulled back between the legs. But, uh, I mean, the, the competitive play by Bruce Storm was, I mean, to, to take that away. And you can't you can't anticipate when you're, you're an official. It's like, it, let it actually be a foul. You know, when when especially in that moment, you don't want that, that to decide the game when a kid mm-hmm. makes a competitive play like that. Um, but I thought, yeah, I thought it was a back blown call. But like I said, you get you get it on both sides because the Rutgers deal, you know, when the kid runs out of bounds and uh, for Ohio State and he makes the shot. So maybe maybe, that? maybe they would do. I mean, you've you've been through Big Ten officiating for plenty of years. You've been outside of the Big Ten and seen other conferences officiating. Like, is there something to this happening in the Big Ten specifically, or is this an everything problem? No, it's, I mean, you're, you're we all do the clips post-game and send them to the director of officials. I don't care what <laughs> league you're in. And, and if you lost, you know, you're not, you're, you got something to, to beef about. I tried not to do it as much. Um, 
And I, I only I only got about four, maybe five texts, Greg, as a head coach. Uh, so it wasn't that bad. It was just, you know, but I think, you know, it's just a physical league. It's just in the waning moments of the game, you want to let the players decide the game as much right. as possible, unless it's unless it's egregious, uh, unless it's absolutely obvious. You want the players to decide the game. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed they robbed us of that potentially uh, tonight. The Big Ten's just a mess, man. It's a jumbled mess. You got Purdue at the top, who spent some time as the number one team in the country. Right now, you've got Michigan State up there. They've won seven straight games, I believe. And then it seems like you've got just a pool of 10 to 11 different teams that any given night could knock off each other. Uh, T.O., is this Purdue versus the field in your mind? Is this Purdue and Michigan State versus the field? What do you see this league as at this point? I, guys, I'm stuck on Michigan State. Like, I, I like that if Joey Hauser is good Joey Hauser, Michigan State is good Michigan State because he gives them an added element. I feel like, you know, Tyson Walker, I feel like he's good. Hogard's good. Like, I I, I like the way they play. I, I enjoy watching an Izzo coach team. That's my biggest thing. Like, I enjoy watching them play. And the reason Michigan State has been able to sustain success is because they do all the little things. Even when they're not as talented as they typically are, like in some recent years, they still do all the little things that just at least put them in position to win. And what happens? They get a little bit more. Max Christie's no longer there, so you have some other pieces in there that are probably a little bit more consistent. The upside's not what Max Christie's upside was, but at the same time, you have a consistency and you know what you expect. I like that Michigan State team. I think Purdue, obviously, with Zach Eady being Shaq Eady, that's a big thing. Buy the T-shirt. Shout out to the Field of 68 shop. Go ahead, Field Greg, of six, you plug field, that Field of 68 dot shop is where there you can we, get Shaq Eady shirts, by the way. That's it. And that team fits well around uh, Shaq Eady by the shirts. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, you can pressure the guards to force them further away from Zach Eady. That's huge. That's what Rutgers did. But at the same time, like, they have the immovable object. So I, I, I hate to say it, but I think Purdue against the field right now with Michigan State right there. Here's yeah. what I find interesting about the league is uh, as much as we all talked about the bigs coming in and that was kind of Hunter and Zach and the teams right now that are, that you're talking about are the ones with better guard play. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. the Bowie, Bowie, Bowie and Chase uh, Aldridge at, at Northwestern, you know, Paul McKay and Cam Spencer at Rutgers, uh, the Michigan AJ Hogger's been, you're talking about, you know, Joey Hauser, A.J. Hoggard, the last seven games is is almost seven assists to like one and a half turnovers, like and and about 13. He's been tremendous. And and when Izzo's teams are Izzo's teams, he's got a really good point guard. Yeah. That you can trust. He's got Cassius Winston. He's got Mo Cleese. He's got Kalen Luke. I mean, you go down the list of Tom Izzo. He's got Tum Tum there. I mean, whoever Tum Tum Nairns, like when he's really good, he's got a point guard he trusts. Uh, yeah. And AJ had a turnover issue last year, but this he's got 10 turnovers in the last seven games total. And, uh, and so there's no accident there. Uh, but the guards right now, Chucky Hepburn at Wisconsin, mm -hmm. um, those are the teams at the top of the Big Ten. Um, so if your guards aren't and, – and when you watch that Michigan game tonight, even it was uh, – you know, they couldn't – struggle the zone. And then once they started face guarding Jet when they weren't in the zone, you know, another a guard that could make a play was kind of non-existent for them. Um, and so it's, it's just kind of interesting to look at it now, who knows how to finish, but that's where it stands right now. And Michigan yeah. state's got a really good point guard coming up next year. 
Yeah. Here, the, the guards, I, I went to their practice in the fall, went to Michigan, I went to Purdue, and and there was the thing that stood out when I went to Michigan State. Um, Jay Nakins was out with an injury, but, you know, you had Walker, you had Hoggard, and and you had the the freshman from Minnesota, I can't remember his name, you had Aikens. It was like, hey, they, they've got really good guards. Can mm -hmm. their bigs get it done? Yeah. Um, with Sissoko and Hauser, can they be consistent? And did they have a backup if somebody gets in foul trouble? But their guard play was like, hey, if A.J. Hoggard doesn't turn the ball over, they're going to be good. Yeah, what strikes me about this Michigan State team uh, is how many vetty guys they have. And it starts in the backcourt, as you guys alluded to. But, uh, T.O., you mentioned Joey Hauser and Malik Hall, who was down with injury when this team struggled a month ago. He's been back. They've won seven straight games. I don't think that's a coincidence. And you saw in the Wisconsin game, right? I mean, Wisconsin, another team with some vets. They're missing Tyler Wall, but, you know, Crowell was phenomenal in that game. Chucky Hepburn, even though he's only a sophomore now, he's a guy who's played and won a lot of big games for Wisconsin already. They had some freshmen in with him, like Asijan. He's a killer, and yeah. he had some big moments in that game. But in the stretch run, when Wisconsin had a five-point lead with three minutes left, I mean, Michigan State had four guys at all times on the floor that whoever had the mismatch could exploit it and just knew how to get it done. I think for the final eight minutes of that game, I read uh, they did not miss a shot from the field and it wasn't just one guy doing it. It was really that group of four. So in a year where it is that wide open, both in the big 10 theoretically, but even beyond, I'm starting to find myself thinking, I mean, you give Tom Izzo four veterans that he really trusts. That's a pretty good formula to head into postseason play with. So keep your eyes on the Spartans, folks. Uh, let's move to Gonzaga, who we alluded to briefly. There was 10 seconds left when we mentioned we've got our eyes on it. Gonzaga escapes with the victory at BYU. Julian Strother hits the big shot. They were down two. Uh, a missed free throw opened the door. Strother slammed the door shut. Now, this is Gonzaga's third consecutive game on the road in this conference that has been a tie game with less than four minutes to go. BYU, solid team. I don't think any of the teams they've played have been cupcakes in the last three, but this is not the dominance in conference play that we have seen from Gonzaga for really the better part of the last six, seven years at this point. Is this something to be concerned about for this Gonzaga team? Laval, let's go to you first. What do you think? I don't know. I think it's interesting that they've been on the road for three straight games, just in terms of conference scheduling, <laughs> because that's, you know, that's a, a, a typical, most of the, you try to, to stay away from that type of stretch. Uh, hey, that's interesting because Willard brought that up talking about how the big East makes sure to take care of their teams. Yeah. We, the they tried not to do that. That was the thing in the big East. You tried not to, I mean, it happened from time to time and every coach complained about it when it happened to them. And, but it, you know, I digress. Um, no, I, I, you know, it's BYU's. They, you know, they're going. They go, they'll play Portland next. There's good teams in that league, so I don't want to discount like that league's a good. It's a good conference, like say, you know, Santa Clara and San Francisco, um, and so you get them on your home court, and you know, a couple teams had a shot. I thought San Francisco was going to beat them, and and I think this it helps you once you get to uh, postseason if you're if you're Gonzaga. Uh, or Houston, and you're in a league where you know you 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 may not have on paper the high the quad one type of opportunities and whatnot. But if you have close games and you found ways to win close games when you get to tournament play, it, it does nothing but help. You know somebody has to step up and make a big shot. Now there's you now there's confidence. 
Um, you had to get a stop. Like Gonzaga had to get, they, they took the lead. They still had to get a stop to win. Uh, and when you've done those things and you can reference back uh, in tight ball games, I thought Connecticut hadn't had that until they got the Big East play and and, and they lost a couple because they didn't have any close games in non-con. They were beating people by 12 or more. Mm. Uh, so I think that's a factor late that they can point back to and it'll, be, it'll serve them well. Uh yeah, I'm not sure I fully agree with you saying that the West Coast Conference is a is a good conference. I'm just I'm not buying that, Laval. I'm I, like I'm not going back into coaching, so I'm allowed to say it. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not buying that. They have three teams in the top 100 at Kempom, and BYU is one of those teams. This is a very atypical BYU team, and I realize Mark Pope is trying to do things a little bit differently, but this is a team that's towards the bottom of the country in three-point shooting. It's a team that really thrives on the defensive end, not a ton of offense. And, like, whenever you play Gonzaga, you better be able to score the ball. The fact that they were able to hold Gonzaga as low as they were is a minor miracle and says a lot about their defense. So I'll give you the benefit of the doubt there, Laval. BYU is good. Uh, St. Mary's is good. Outside of that, like, they're – you would expect them to win by double digits. I mean, that's, I don't think that's crazy. The triple away game that you alluded to, that's obviously a huge thing. And Gonzaga is everybody's Super Bowl in that conference. So there's something to be said there. Uh, this Gonzaga team, quite frankly, compared to the recent memory, the last two, three years, it's not quite what it has been in a large part due to uh, some younger guards that are being relied on heavily. And they're very talented guards, but that's kind of, Am I worried about them in that league? No. I think St. Mary's is very good. They could give them a run for their money. Kim Palm loves the Gales, but uh, I, I feel like Gonzaga is still going to win that league. And, you know, moving forward, uh, they're, they're going to win a game in the tournament. It's the same old, it's the same old shtick. It's like, but this is not quite the Jalen Suggs level guard, the, uh, you know, the numerous other guys that they've had in recent memory. It, it's not that, but it's still a very good team. It's still a team that's very capable of winning their league. Did you pick that phrase, that collection of words specifically, T.O.? They're going to win a game in the tournament, or are they going to win games in the tournament, this Gonzaga team? I'm just curious. I'm just, you know, I, I, I tend to ramble. <laughs> I'm just curious. Listen, I, I, people no, don't they uh, They're a Sweet 16 team if, if okay. you know, all goes well. Yeah, to put you on the spot. Okay, it depends on matchup. It depends on draws. Yeah, it all I, depends uh, on matchups. I don't know that there's a player in the sport the last few years that uh, maybe was underappreciated more than Andrew Nemhard, and that sounds crazy because I think a lot of people did give him a lot of praise while he was at Gonzaga. But I think a lot of people also thought this was going to be a pretty seamless transition. You, you were worried about losing Chet, obviously. How do you replace a unicorn like Chet Holmgren? But I don't think as many people were worried about what the backcourt would look like because there's a bunch of talented dudes, high pedigree recruits, Nolan Hickman, um, Hunter Salas. I mean, Malachi Smith, the transfer portal. You felt great about that group on paper coming into the season. Yeah. You can't replace what Nemhard did for this team. So uh, that's where my eye will be is how does this backcourt continue to develop? And I think uh, if it continues playing at the level it has been this year, I think you might see some more dogfights for that team in that conference. Let's jump. Uh, for the final segment of the show, we got about 10 minutes left. Again, this is the Field of 68 After Dark brought to you by Bet Rivers. You can hear us on the SiriusXM app. Uh, you can watch us on the Field of 68 YouTube channel. I'm Greg Waddell with Terrence Oglesby with Laval Jordan. Let's move to the SEC where Alabama just keeps on winning. 
I don't know how else to describe it than that. Right now, this team, in my opinion, is playing better basketball for a more consistent stretch game after game after game than any other team in the country coming into last night's win at Arkansas. They had won four straight games by double digits, three by 20 or more points. This is conference play now we're talking about. I mean, they've gone on the road to Mississippi State. They've gone on the road at Arkansas, and they're not having too much trouble. That game was a back-and-forth game, but final eight minutes, Alabama really asserted themselves. And when you've got Brandon Miller, sometimes it's easy to assert yourself. Right, T.O.? It certainly helps that every time you step on a basketball floor, you've got the most talented kid. Like, that that's what happened with Duke last how year. How good is he? Oh, he's unbelievable. Brandon Miller. How good is Brandon Miller? My he, goodness. He's incredible. He's incredible. He he looks now not the same type of game because this guy that I'm about to mention was a much different player and more of a passer and more of a pure point. But body type, man, he looks like Penny looked. He yeah. looks just like Penny looked. Broad shoulders, skinny legs, like – he looks Good. like him, and he is really talented. He said he wanted to be in uh, Indiana Pacers. Paul George. I was like, I can't find a hole. I, I, that's what I, I was. That was my comp for him. Like he he plays like Paul George. He right? does. He does. It, 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 smooth stroke. Like anytime you have the best player on the floor, it helps things. Look at Paolo last year. Like th this kid is really really good, and they have shooting, and they play a certain style that's so hard to defend. But what's the thing that we saw whenever Herb Jones was on that Alabama team a few years ago? That defense was elite. Kim Palm has Alabama's defense at number eight. They are back to being elite. They have their offense at 16th. They're back to being elite. Uh, I don't see them losing for a while. They do have Tennessee in Knoxville in February 15th, but that's a long way away. Now, all of that being said, uh, because of their style of play, they're going to be prone to, to an off night. Just It's just going to happen. They're going to be prone to an off night, but that defense, because it's been so good, has been able to carry them uh, when that happens, I'm a little iffy on Arkansas because there's a lot of injuries and there seems to be a lot going on uh, with that program. So uh, do they have the talent to be really good? I think the Trayvon Brazil injury was a huge one uh, because it got it got rid of their uh, an elite rim protector, an elite floor spacing big that could really do some special things that really hurt them. But uh, I, I wonder how that Arkansas team is going to continue to develop. Are they going to be able to continue to, to develop with all these injuries? But Alabama, ooh, buddy. That's all I can say about them. Ooh, buddy. I, I'm I'm not iffy on Tennessee. No. Teams to be iffy on Alabama and Tennessee. Like, there's no if. Like, those those two, and their, their defense is better than Alabama's. <laughs> I mean, they are just scrappy, tough. I mean. They're you, huge, LaValle. LaValle, they're but huge. You watch they're them, huge. and it's like there's no space when you watch them. You know, it's hard to find gaps, and uh, they're, they're phenomenal defensively, and they figured some things out on offense, you know, but they just kind of find a way. And sometimes the hardest teams to scout are when you don't have a Brandon Miller. It's like because you, you're going to game plan. Like last night, uh, you know, they took him away. He didn't even get a shot off in the first half. Like Tennessee's got one night it's – you know, Kihei, or one night it's uh, Zig, Zig, Zakai Ziggler. One night it's Santiago Vescovi. One night, like sometimes that's harder to prepare for when you don't have like, hey, we're going to game plan for Hunter Dickinson, double team him in the post and everybody, you know, and work on your rotations. Like You don't know which guy's going to be on which night with Tennessee's offense, but their defense is going to show up every single night. And you got to play against, you got to face that and try to find a way to crack the code. It, yeah, it looks like it hurts to play Tennessee. 
like everything looks like, like it hurts. Like every every cut their, is their second and third efforts are like, I mean, if you get past a guy and it's like it's physical and it's fast in, in terms of recovery. Euros Plavsic will take your head off and then act like he didn't do anything. Like he just <laughs> been wrongly accused. <laughs> like they are and they like to go along with what you said now what worries me about Tennessee just a little bit not a lot of bit just a little bit is the fact that like who do you go to who do you know you can go get one from in my opinion I think Julian Phillips could be that guy but Rick has gone full games without calling a play for him so it's like that's a good thing that's a bad thing that you have so many different guys but shout out to my man David Bentley because he's in the chat and he he coached both Taylon at Minnesota, who made that big one, and he coached Julian. So I want to make sure that he gets his credit because he's blowing my cell phone up right now. I think I have five text messages from Bentley saying, hey, man, hey, man, give me a little credit. I got you, Bentley. Don't you worry. Hey, shout him out, T.O. I love it. All right, from the two we just talked about quickly, you got to pick one. Who wins the SEC, Alabama or Tennessee? T.O.? Oh, I'm going, I'm going volunteers. I'm going Rocky top that defense travels, baby. And it hurts like, and they're really deep too. Like Tyreek keys. He was a nice addition an underrated addition, yeah. Indiana state transfer. Like yeah, he has some games where it's kid. like a big, strong kid. Like and that defense every single night is going to be there. That's the big thing with Tennessee. Laval. You know, I don't, I don't know, Greg. You always try to make Come on, pick. project it, baby. It's my thing, man. It's my Come on, you're on this side, Laval. Let's go. Hey, if Arkansas had two guys hurt, we'd be talking about them. So, you know, you know, I don't know. But I, I'd hey, like – Hey, Laval, you already – hey, Laval, you already said Big Ten officials were terrible. You already said that. You might as well – you might joined, as well cannonball I joined, in. I joined the club. I'm in on um, – no, I mean, I, yeah, tennis, it's hard to pick against when you know your defense is the best in, in, in every night, you know. Uh, you know, I would say they'll find they'll find a way. Like they found ways to win close ones. Um, so if I had to choose today, it's but Brandon Miller's on the other side, so that's a tough. That's, that's a I tough. Say one. how how can you feel <laughs> good picking one. against that? That's a man. tough one. That, that dude, he's a dude, man. He is a cold. I mean, he is a dude. For the record, I'll hold myself to the same standard. I'm going Alabama. I think uh, I, I don't think they're far off. I know Tennessee's better defensively. I don't think this Alabama team is far off. So uh, I'll take the team that has Brandon Miller on it. And for the record, Laval, you can't get too mad at me. One of these days I'm going to get you, but you can't get mad at me for forcing you into this or that situation. That's like getting <laughs> mad at Nick Stauskas for shooting, man. That's what I do, okay? That's what I was born to do, Laval. We've got one minute left in the show on Field of 68 After Dark. We're going to do our toasts of the night. we got to be kind of quick with it, though. Uh, T.O., you look rattled, but you also look ready, my man. I'm kicking to you. Who are you toasting to? That is a, my life motto right there, rattled but ready, <laughs> shaken not stirred. We're here for it, boys. I'm not James Bond, but we've never been in the same room together. I'm toasting to UNC Asheville. Mike Morrell's my man, and he had a big win tonight over Longwood, taking over first place in the Big South. Good for you, Mike. He was a GA at Clemson when I was playing. He's a good dude. I'm happy for him. Cheers to UNCA. Cheers. Laval, who you got? Nice. I'm rolling with Ben Johnson, head good coach call. of Minnesota Golden Gophers. First win in Big Ten play in, in conference play this year. They were 0-4, huge win on the road. And he had – and they controlled the game from start to finish, really. I mean, Ohio State battled back, but they they really had control of the game and found a way to pull it off at the end. So, 
Shout out to Ben Johnson. Big, big win. Yeah, it was a big one. Fun to hear him mic'd up as well over on uh, FS1 tonight. Cheers. All right, I'm going Lee Corso, boys. Give me my headgear. <laughs> to Fran McCaffrey, to the Hawkeyes, <laughs> even though they ripped my heart out tonight. This program, sleeping giant. I've been saying it for 20 years. Iowa basketball should dominate the Midwest. They should find kids that just shoot into peach baskets in their driveway night after night after night for the first 18 years of their lives. Peyton Sanford, they found one tonight. He was huge. Every shot down the stretch. McCaffrey without Patrick. They're 3-0. It's a magical story. And even if it's a nightmare for me personally, it was good for the sport tonight. To the Hawkeyes, to Fran McCaffrey, to Terrence Oglesby, to Laval Jordan, to producer Dagan, and everybody watching us out there. I'm Greg Waddell. This was The Field of Six. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.